Welcome back to Wyoming My 307. My name is Carla Mowell. Growing up, we would come to Wyoming every summer, and those are some of my absolute best childhood memories. One of my dad's best friends, his name was Leonard Henderson. He owned a bar in Grable. My parents would always stop by there for a visit, even though my mom did not drink, but she was a big prankster and a storyteller. She loved to tell about meeting a sheep herder who would come into town to spend his summer savings at the bars. He wanted to buy my mom a drink, so she winked at her friend Leonard behind the bar and asked for a vodka neat. <laughs> he, of course, gave her a glass of water, and she gulped it down and asked for another one. Make it a double. Well, the sheep herder's eyes got really big, and he laughed, and he told my dad that he had found himself a real peach who could drink them all under the table. And of course, afterwards, my Bolivian mom had to ask dad, what does a real peach mean? And was it good or bad? Well, every time I go into a Wyoming bar, I'm pretty sure that I'll walk out with a funny story. Recently, I even walked out with a bag of onions. I went in for a beer at the Mountain Inn bar in Dayton, Wyoming, and there was a guy just giving them away. Well, I told that story to my guest today. She has been to many, many, many small town bars in Wyoming. And in fact, she wrote a book about it. We had such a great time together. We got surprisingly philosophical about bars. And honestly, I chuckled along as I listened to it over and over while editing this episode. In fact, I thought I should clarify we were not drinking during this interview. So let's get to it and hear from Julianne Couch, who wrote the nonfiction book Jukeboxes and Jackalopes. Welcome, Julianne. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you very much. I'm doing just fine. So I'm wearing my Wyoming well, sweatshirt to set me in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote a book called Jukeboxes and Jackalopes. And then, of course, you have a photographic companion book of the same name. And I just wanted to ask, what inspired you to write this book? Living in Wyoming for as long as I did, often one, you know, you just take road trips for business or pleasure or whatever. And when you do that, most of the time you're kind of in a hurry, like, oh, I really got to get to Casper or something. But, but boy, that place looks intriguing. I'd sure love it if I had time to stop. Maybe next time, maybe next time. And then next time never happens unless you make it. My husband, Ron Hansen, was doing some work as a graphic designer for the state of Wyoming, doing a brochure series about Wyoming byways and backways. And so that took us right past some of these places where, you know, we really then had the opportunity to stop. And so that was motive and opportunity, I guess, combined. But basically, you know, we both really love Wyoming and just love to talk to people and wanted to stop into these very small communities where you couldn't just stop there because you were pretending you wanted to shop or look at a particular tourist attraction or something like that. You were just really there for the bar and to meet the people who were in there and get to know folks a little bit. So that was what was in our head at the beginning of this, I would say. Well, it's super fun as a project and you guys made like a really great product out of it. Like I'm going to keep it in my car just oh, good. for like the next year or two until I can hit up more of these fun places. Well, in preparing for for this episode of the podcast, I read a bunch of different online articles about iconic or popular drinks in every state. And mm -hmm. 
If you had asked me beforehand, I would have predicted Coors Banquet to be the most popular in Wyoming, just because that's what I see flowing a lot. Right. Yeah. And the articles, one article said that whiskey sour is the most popular, which that is my favorite drink. And another said anything with Wyoming whiskey. And I'm thinking these people have not been to Wyoming much. But what are your observations about that? Like what's most popular? Well, where I live now in Iowa, it's sort of a running joke that Bush Light is the beer. And my husband and I both just sort of make silent gagging motions because that is not something we would drink in Wyoming. That is for sure. So I think it depends if you're doing a daytime bar tour thing, like what we typically did, and we needed to be able to get back in the car afterwards. We would usually go with Coors Light or Miller Genuine Draft was sort of a a thing that we enjoyed on the bar tour in a nice cold icy bottle. We're not big mixed drink people, but I did observe a lot of Jägermeister being poured. It wouldn't matter what time of the day that we were someplace. Finally, at one of the bars, I the Edelweiss Bar in Clark, that I finally had my first and last taste of Jägermeister. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty strong stuff. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Edelweiss because we have a few towns in Wyoming that are basically a bar and a population sign. (laughs) And Clark is one of them with the Edelweiss Bar. The Spotted Horse is another, which I stopped at the other day after reading about it in your book. It wasn't open at the time. I think it was a Sunday. So I don't know if they open on Sundays. Some bars do and some don't. Why do you think that these bars that are just like literally a bar in the middle of quote unquote nowhere, why do you think they have such holding power? Well, some of it is going to be just through traffic, people needing a stop, you know, on the way back from work to to wherever it is they live. I remember the Spotted Horse in particular as having a pretty brisk hot dog sale trade at about five o'clock or six o'clock in the afternoon when people would get off maybe from the mine or or somewhere like that, swing through, buy a 12-pack of Coors Light, let's say, and a couple of hot dogs and and just people eat them there or or take them on the road. So there's that convenience store kind of element to it. But it's also, you know, you don't have to live in a town to be from the town or of the town or consider that your home. So people would just use that as a, as a meetup location, a community center, if you want to think of it in that term. And that's where, you know, maybe they their parents went and they started to go there as a little kid just because you have to take your kids places. And, um, you know, a family enough of an atmosphere that people could be in there younger and pl- playing pool or something while their parents socialize. And so I think I just noticed and talked to a lot of people who said they basically grew up in that bar because where else were you going to go you know you you went elsewhere for school you rode a school bus or something like that you went elsewhere for church but if you wanted someplace local where people were familiar to you and everyone had a shared culture cultural connection then the bar was is the place yeah and you've mentioned a couple of things that i think are unique to wyoming bars in my mind anyway and one is kids you know i i've seen several bars with playground equipment outside, you know, because it is somewhere where if you have your kids, you got to have them have something to do also. So right. you don't really see that everywhere in the world. <laughs> Bars with playground equipment. No, um, you, you, you don't. And there was something else. Oh, the other thing you said that I think points out something pretty unique to Wyoming is that many bars are also packaged liquor stores. So like in other states, you go to a bar to sit down and drink, you 
they won't sell you a bottle of wine or bottle of liquor or whatever from what I've seen. Right. I talk in the the book in one of the pieces, and it might even be about the Edelweiss, or it might be in one of the other ones, but about the how Wyoming has gradually changed its laws over the last decade or so, going from when there was basically no restrictions on drinking and driving to then changing them so that you, uh, like the driver couldn't have an open container, but the passenger could. Do you remember all that kind of succession? Yeah. Of, you know, as, as much it sort of fun as it is to talk about, you know, the bar culture, there's also a little bit of a, a downside to it. And it, it might be a good idea that Wyoming tightens some of that up. I know that the drunk driving fatality statistics have gone down from there. That's why I think it's, you know, good that you can you can buy packaged liquor or, you know, what, you know, beer or wine or hard liquor or whatever, and not feel the need to sit there in the bar and drink it and then get in your car, you know? Right. So it's a good, you point. are able, yeah, you are able to take it and go where you want to go. Now, on the other, other hand, that cuts back on the socializing a little bit. And that's an important element too. I agree. I wanted to say it's sad though, when a bar like that, like if the Edelweiss bar closed in Clark, it's like, what would be left, you know? And there was a quote, right. I wanted to share from your book that you said, like species of mice or toads known only to exist in one inconvenient spot, rural bars are a product of the environment that nurtures them. And if they die, the cycle of life around them is changed. And I think just from what you've said so far, and of course, from your book, bars hold a different weight in Wyoming than in more populated areas, I think because of that. Right. And I'm just thinking, did I write that? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> You're like, profound. wow, that was really good. <laughs> that was good. Um, I think I was probably thinking of the, the Wyoming toad down in the Laramie Valley and, you know, and different things like that where people grumble about being inconvenienced to take care with endangered species. But I, th I think it's true that just knowing that you could go to a particular bar, you know, wherever it be, and you might be planning to stay for half an hour, you might be planning to use that as one of many stops, but you know who you're going to see. You're going to say, oh yeah, I'm going to see that one guy. I can ask him about that horse, you know, whatever. I can bring my kids in. They can, they can play pool and not be in anyone's way. And they were really kind of just reflective of the environment and the landscape ar around them from the different, you know, the, the Yellowstone area of Wyoming to the Red Desert area of Wyoming to, you know, Jackson Hole. I mean, the bars that are in those places really reflect a lot about the area and the people who live right in that proximity. So are there any other things that you find unique about bar culture in Wyoming? I thought it was a good example when you said, oh, that guy will be there and we can talk about that horse that I want to buy from. You know, there are a lot of regulars at our local bars. And when, a, when your town has 300 people, it takes the idea of regulars to a whole different <laughs> to a whole different level. You right. know who you're going to see when you walk in. But are there any other things that stand out about bar culture in Wyoming? This might be a little bit of a sideways answer, but I was thinking about the bar in Yoder, and the name of that bar is escaping me right now, but maybe it's just called the Yoder Bar. But the patrons of the bar created the artwork on the ceiling. Not just dollar bills and stuff, because that's a fairly common thing, but they actually there's like acoustic tiled ceilings and every individual that wanted to participate actually painted one of them. Wow. Yeah. It's like who would sit, be sitting around the bar at whatever it was at night and go, you know what we ought to do? 
this is kind of dreary in here. Let's everybody pick a tile. And and they were all very different. And, you know, they weren't professional artists by any means. They were kind of goofy cartoons and different things like that. But I thought, what a wonderful talking point. Then you could bring your friends in and say, look, I did that one right there with the rainbow. And I did that one there with the tree. And people right. would say, that's supposed to be a tree or, you know, or whatever. Just the conversation starters. It's just so organic from the people who actually went to that bar and did that work. And, you know, heaven forbid they would pass away and there would be a nice remembrance of, of that person. Uh, so that's one thing that sticks out. And another quick answer that I'll throw in has to do with the Union Bar in Hudson and that being a longtime stronghold for democratic politics, the union, you know, union workers, Mm -hmm. union miners and the Vintage family and uh, Mike Vintage, the bartender there for so long, had such a, I guess I'll call it a cult of personality, just such a well-known, garrulous World War II veteran that would tell his stories to anybody who would want to hear him. And people would come to that place just to get a seat at the bar next to Mike Vintage if they were lucky enough to hear his stories. And that's not something I have experienced anyplace else. He gave us a tour around the back room and showed us all these black and white photographs of Democratic leaders from decades past. And that's, you know, for obvious reasons, that's also not a conversation you have a lot in Wyoming (laughs) sometimes. Uh, But, you know, each place was so, so much itself. You would never confuse one for the other because of the culture. Each individual bar managed to develop by its bartenders, its owners, and by its clientele. Yeah, that's so true because popular bars in other parts of the world or the country may have like a certain style or decoration or they may be wanting to go for a certain aesthetic, but it seems like bars in Wyoming, they each have kind of their own thing going on. Like it's it's very reflective of whoever owns it or of the town. So, you know, some of them almost look like little mini museums, you know, with old time photographs and they tell the story of the town, whether it's the mining or the ranching or whatever. I went to a bar recently in Gillette and it had a whole wall full of cans of like different drinks, like different beers and stuff. And it was the owner's oh, geez. the owner's personal collection that he had been gathering since he was a teenager of different cans. And that's not something you paid a designer to come in and and do for you. It just springs from the community itself. It's not decorated or curated when you walk into a bar in Wyoming, it's more like somebody's living room (laughs) that is their own very personal aesthetic. And that is such a good point because it feels like such a privilege to be able to walk into these places and, and sort of be a a tourist a little bit because you're you're not a regular and everybody knows you're not a regular. You want to be able to try to talk to people and Mm -hmm. not look like you're there because you want something from them. You're just stopping in for, you know, an hour or two or something like that. But you're also taking in the ambiance of how they've decorated it and asking them, where did this come from? And where did that back bar come from? And trying to buy a t-shirt. I always try to buy a t-shirt or a coffee mug or a shot glass Mm -hmm. or something from every place just, you know, to be a good customer and also to get some more stories about, you know, how they see their bar ever being advertised as people drive around and talk about it and yeah it's just it's, it was really such a great experience and I hope it's not over yet for me but to be able to have a have a reason to go to a place that I might not have ordinarily felt comfortable going I'm glad you mentioned back bars because 
we have some really cool back bars in our little tiny towns that you're just like, you know, you know, they, they came in in the 1800s, early 1900s, and they're beautifully made wood, cherry, hand done and elaborated, but it took a lot to get that back bar to where it is, you know, like in Hartville, the back bar is just spectacular. And if you get a chance to go in there and talk to the folks that work there, they'll tell you the story of how it was brought in and the whole town was involved in getting it into the building. And the Irma Hotel has a gorgeous back bar too. They're just almost like sculptural works of art, really. And I believe a few of those at least are Tiffany back bars. When people immigrated here from Germany, like they did in mass groups in the mid and later 19th century, they brought their valuables with them if they could, especially if they were in the bar trade. And so a lot of those things, we're fortunate enough that they've been able to be maintained and used and cared for with love and appreciated. Even if you don't know their origins, you still can look at them and see that there's something very special. Some of them are held together with a very thick patina of smoke, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> Wyoming does allow smoking still, which is hard for us non-smokers, but we we'll, we struggle through. We, we take one for the team. <laughs> yeah, I think the bar in Franny holds the record as being the smokiest bar I've ever been in. I just, I'm when just you open the door that. and a whole puff of smoke comes out? Oh, more than a puff. I mean, oh, my heavens. But they had a smoke eater thing up in the thing. Maybe they had it on blow instead of suck. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a great bar. We had such a good time there. Oh, my gosh. We we stayed there for probably longer than we should have. But we were able to bring our dog in. And that's always a plus, our little Pomeranian mix. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was a that was a super fun time. And remember leaving there, exchanging phone numbers with people. Still in contact with a few a few people from along the trail. That is so fun. Well, I always meet someone interesting when I walk in as a stranger to a Wyoming bar. And I wanted to just share, I recently stopped in for a drink at the Mountain Inn Bar in Dayton. Within five minutes, I'd heard already two life stories and somebody asked me if I wanted a bag of onions. So like <laughs> in less than 30 minutes, I had two drinks heard life stories and got a bag of onions out of the deal. So I know that you've probably had some funny experiences as you've traveled along. I wondered if you had wanted to share any of them with us. Oh boy. I, I remember walking in and I can't remember which bar this was right now, but sitting next to somebody for about two minutes and saying, hi, we're on a bar tour of Wyoming. And that always is an uh, opener. And then hearing this long involved story about how he was almost killed by a motorboat in some Wyoming lake. He said, there was only one boat in the lake and it almost killed me. He was like hit by a <laughs> propeller or something. <laughs> Why wow. are you telling me this horrible story? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's funny. Maybe he, you know, maybe it was a sympathy story. So I buy him a drink or something, but it was like just and long in depth stories. Yeah. And storytelling th- is definitely the sport other than the drinking. Storytelling is the other sport that happens in Wyoming bars. And I always sort of felt like this, this might, this is hard to explain, but like like if you're watching a stage play and you feel like if all the people up there are real, but if I leave the room, they'll just kind of all sort of fold up and stop. That's how I felt walking into a bar. Like if I everybody was in the bar just sort of in a in a kind of a trance, and then you open up a door and it's like there's a play going on inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't know what act you don't know what act you're in. 
<laughs> is this yeah, the you final act? Is this the start? <laughs> like that that nightmare of I'm on stage, but I don't remember my lines or where I'm supposed to go. It's sort of like that. It's just a, an oddest feeling that that this whole thing, whatever is happening in front of me as I walk into the bar, has been going on just sort of forever in a loop. <laughs> You're right. like, oh, here comes a new, here comes a new actor on the stage. Let's see what we're going to do now that there's somebody new here. It's just a. Yeah, that's true. There's that sense of like, oh, I can brush off my favorite stories because this person hasn't heard them yet. You know, they're not going to just like roll their eyes and say, yeah, yeah, remember you told me that last week. It's like Mm -hmm. fresh meat. (laughs) But but being told by Mike Vintage about how President John F. Kennedy saved his life rescuing his group in the PT-109 after his Vintage's group had been, you know, in battle in the Pacific theater after Guadalcanal and all this stuff. And that's a true story. And he tells it to everyone having that person, this, you know, fabulous military veteran. And, you know, the finish went on to be one of the group of the Wyoming delegates that, that uh, nominated sealed Kennedy's nomination for presidential candidacy, the Wyoming delegation put his vote over the top. And so oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Kennedy you know, invited that group to the white house. And so, Somebody like Mike Vintage, who, I mean, he had, I imagine, you know, a group of, you know, 20 or 30 stories he told fairly regularly. But that, you know, again, that was why we and many other people just made sure we went to that bar to have a chance to meet him. So in some cases, it's just, you know, kind of goofy stories. And in another case, it's like, this man won't be here forever. And this would be a really good time to stop by and see him and see what he has to say about, you know, so many fascinating pieces of history, Wyoming history and, and beyond. Right. Well, I wanted to mention, I lived in Louisiana where there's a very prominent drinking culture and no set closing time for bars like it used to be, I think, in Wyoming at one point. But Wyoming has a 2 a.m. last call, which is pretty standard across the country. But what I noticed, and I even called a few local bars to confirm, is that folks here seem to start earlier. Like they may not stay later, but they start, like bars open at 9 a.m. And sometimes there's like an almost full bar at 10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Is is that what you noticed across Wyoming too? Or is that just Bighorn County that we're, we start uh, well, early? In Laramie, where we lived for many years, our favorite bar there was the Buckhorn. And it opened at 6 a.m., but the reason it opened at 6 a.m. was so shift workers, when they got off work at where whatever time, that's they were going to, do, to get a drink after work. Only their after work right. was at 6 a.m. And so maybe there's some of that going on with what you've noticed. But I guess there's like not, like I think of bar as night culture, but here you can walk into a bar at any point. Like you meet at a, up at a bar to have lunch with a friend on a Tuesday is like perfectly right. normal. right. I don't remember ever going pulling up to a bar and not being able to go in because we were too early. But people might be drinking coffee or, right. like you said, having, having something to eat if that was available. Um, so, you know, I don't remember walking into a bar at, you know, at noon or 11 or something like that and seeing people pouring down their fourth red solo cup full of something, you know. It, mm-hmm. you know and, and in fact, a lot of the time, you know, people weren't constantly drinking. If they were regulars you know, they might have one or two of whatever it was they got and then they, and then move on to something else. I mean, they were really, it seemed to me to be a lot of times just there, there for the socialization or, or to watch the game on TV and then leave or, you know, whatever it might be. But sure. I, I saw some people that I thought 
that guy lives at that Bart's bar stool at the end of the day, he gets here at opening and he doesn't leave until closing and he's got a serious problem. I mean, you'd see some of that, but, but really, you know, I never really saw bar fights. I never saw obnoxious behavior. I never saw anybody being thrown out, but that's because we always did this bar tour during the day. Because right. we were out driving around and it would be like, oh, we need to get to this bar. We need to get to the, the Edelweiss or, or wherever it might be. And it's during the day. We're not uh, Part of it was because my husband was doing photography and he didn't want to be pointing flash, flash <laughs> things at people. And outside of this bar tour, I'm not a big bar goer, really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, really, I wanted to do this because I wanted to talk to people. and Like, what are people like in Wamsutter? You know, and what mm-hmm. <laughs> what goes on at... At, you know, the place in Yoder or the Bondurant and, you know, different things like that. And just because Wyoming is not one monolith of culture. If you're in a mountainous area, you know, there might be different kinds of hunting or different kinds of fishing. If you're out in the plains, you know, you might be a gas field worker and, you know, more of that kind of thing. And people coming from outside to take jobs in those kind of locations. And so you just never know who you're going to meet and what kind of stories they're going to tell. But I really never saw what I would consider like, this is not a fun place to be because people are out of control because they start too early or go too late or any of that sort of thing. It was just really seemed fun and comfortable 99% of the time that we did things. And it was a pleasure to do for that reason. Well, you kind of have to behave a little bit if, if you're a regular, because otherwise you're not going to be a regular anymore. And then, then what happens? Then what's your outlet? You know, I know a guy who um, would come into our, our local bar here and have a soda every afternoon just sit at the bar and have a soda and have a chat. You know, he lived alone. So this was his time to connect and catch up on the local gossip and the news. And that was it. You know, he spent his dollar 25 or whatever <laughs> and went home. And especially if there's going to be kids, like we, we talked about earlier, I think um, the, there's a bar in Arveda and it's called the something. And the reason I don't remember what the something is, is because that word had fallen off and it just says the <laughs> so it's the bar in Arveda. <laughs> but, and there was, you know, they had pizza, they had all kinds of stuff. And when the kids would get off school and, you know, people would meet up and there would be kids in there at all times. It was more of a bar that was served enough food so that they could, so they could do that legally, I guess. I'm not sure what those rules are all about, but you're not going to take your kids to drop, you know, drop your kids off for pizza someplace where people are behaving in obnoxious creepy ways right. in front of your kids. Well, and I so remember you're right. You, they, yes, not, not invited back. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I remember when you're mentioning that bar because it was unique in that it had like some kind of artesian well. Is that the one that mm-hmm. had like an artesian well that was gas powered? I, I just looked at that this morning. Let's Gosh see. dang. Oh, it used to have an artesian well forced out by natural gas. And I just thought that was interesting because I... I think Arveda is relatively close to the spotted yep. horse. Yep. And I, I drove through Arveda, but everything was shut down. So I didn't, I didn't notice the bar. Well, I have well, a few more questions. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say maybe the, the word the fell off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we really don't even know anything about it. What goes on in that brown building? <laughs> it has a lot of cars. <laughs> yeah. It's either a church or a bar. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my gosh. 
you know, when I travel around Wyoming, I like to visit some of the iconic and hidden gems across the state. So let's talk about those. What are your top kind of iconic or historic bars that you would send people to? Well, I always have to start with the Buckhorn Bar in Laramie because that because it was my favorite bar in all the years that I lived there for so for many years. And it's just has a really, you know, I mean, of course, Laramie's a bigger city. It's you know, 35,000 people and a lot of them are college students. So there's a transience that exists in Laramie that is probably more pronounced than other places. But there's a core group there at the Buckhorn and it's possible to uh, blend in or not blend in depending on what you want to do. But, you know, there's a story of a, a, there's a bullet hole in the in the glass behind the bar in the mirror that has been there since the 1970s or something. And I think the only reason they haven't fixed it is because it draws people in to hear about the bullet hole. So there is that. But there's also the walls are covered with um, photographs of customers from the past sort of doing like I have two or three friends whose pictures are who made the bar wall. One walking down the bar in her graduation cap and gown when she graduated with a master's degree at age 50 and, mm-hmm. you know, just things like that. Celebrations of, of ordinary folks who mean something to the people in the bar. So definitely the Buckhorn bar in Laramie, um, depending what time you go there, you might see a lot of college students or you might see people coming out of the football games. And the, there's a goalpost behind the bar from when Cowboys beat BYU. Um, <laughs> go Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, we were at that game and the fans rushed the field and pulled out the goalpost and took it down to the buckhorn and it still is there. <laughs> so there's that kind of stuff that really captures the spirit of the community. Plus, it's just a cool place. You know, then there's ones in like the Mint Bar in Sheridan. Sheridan, right? And yes. the and the Silver Dollar Bar, bar in Jackson, Jackson Hole. That and, and the Irma in Cody that's part of the hotel. And these are for the most part, places that are in historic Wyoming buildings and they're in landscapes that are beautiful. And, you know, they take a pride in making the pl- these places live up to their history and, and not letting things become trashed because it's just because it's a bar. So they really honor, you know, the, the craftsmanship that went into to the cre- creating of that, of that place. And then there's the other side of of a bar being, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a cool bar. It's fine. It's nice. People are good. But the place where it's situated is so unique and beautiful. For example, we're going to go back to Clark, to the Edelweiss. I mean, it's a bar. Yeah, sure, it's, it's fine. But where it's located at the gateway to Yellowstone, basically, that makes going there a really memorable experience. And if you're going to be somewhere like that and you want to appreciate the beauty of it, and then see what sort of things people create when they're surrounded with that kind of beauty that makes those places worth visiting, whether uh, whether you want to stay all day and drink a bunch or just stop in for and ask to see to look around. And that's usually fine, too. Yeah. And the the Edelweiss in particular, there's a historic marker right in their parking lot, basically about Chief Joseph and the Nez Perce and, and their flight to Canada, which I didn't even notice it until I stopped to have a drink at the Edelweiss. And I was like, this is such important history, you know, so it was like such a cool stop. Right. Uh, and I, I'm a big fan of historical markers. Ron and I did some work for the uh, Wyoming Historical Society at one point with a map and 
did a whole thing about the different trail markers that you can, oh, I think it might've been part of the Byways and Backways project actually, about the trail markers that people are usually too busy to stop and see, or maybe traffic doesn't allow you to stop and see. Those historic markers around the state are a really fabulous thing to look at and to think about what they say and to try to piece together. How does this one connect to that one I saw 40 miles ago? And was this the same year? Was this the same group of people? Were they... Were they white migrants? Were they native people? And what was going on at different times? You can just learn so much from stopping. This doesn't have anything to do with bars, but on the way between Grable and Cody, there's a marker about the Bridger Trail, about Jim Bridger and the Bridger Trail. And I love pointing that out to people because that is such a desolate stretch of road between Cody and Grable. And yet the trail crossed that desolate seeming road and was hugely important into the migration out west you know and it seems like such a nothing place but it was like a traffic corridor basically that changed the west that's sort of a badlands area right if i'm remembering it correctly it's kind of sagebrush okay it's more of a sagebrush steps type right okay a lot of antelope gotcha yeah, I do remember. It's It's been a while since I've been through that stretch, but we try to get back to Wyoming every year, but this COVID thing sort of screwed up travel. and Yeah. So, but I'm yeah. hoping that this summer we'll be able to do something fun again. Oh, good. Well, let me know if you're in the area. We'll meet up at a bar. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll close the place down. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds good. Or maybe open it up. That might be even better. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I am such a well, I, light lightweight I was going to mention that I also would have said the Mint Bar in Sheridan and the Buckhorn in Laramie as my top iconic bars, but I was going to add another one, which is the Miners and Stockmans in Hartville, only because it is the oldest bar in Wyoming, so I think it merits. (laughs) Well, and we have pictures of that in here someplace, too, in the, I think, right, don't we, in Hartville? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because I remember writing about it, and and that's, that's a really cool place that that whole area, the Hartfield, the, the mine, the and then the Sunrise Sunrise Bar, Sunrise. That's the name of a town, right? Right, right into there. Yeah, Hartfield, Sunrise, Sunrise. Mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And I remember that there was Mike and somebody who bought that bar, maybe, and just the pride they took and all the antiques that were in there, and trying to get things fixed and polished and repaired and and yeah, it's to beautiful now. What they were it's oh gorgeous. I'm it glad really to hear is. it's still open. Yeah, and they've been doing some good work that the area has been doing some good work exposing the ochre mining that was done by Native Americans there. So there's like paleo-Indian findings that are being showed off more now as they they explore it. So we talked about some iconic bars, historic bars. What are some of your favorite kind of more small town dive bar type places across Wyoming? One bar I've never actually been able to get into, I just can't time it right, but is the Lost Bar in Lost Springs. I've been to the antique store in the in Lost Springs, but not the Lost Bar. So that's sort of on my list. I think they are really only open during hunting, like antelope season. Oh. So, but I was just thinking of that because I was looking at my list here and I remembered Steelman's Bright Spot in Highland. You can buy freeze-dried rattlesnake, local, locally grown freeze-dried rattlesnake. <laughs> It's got a tiny, tiny bar. It's a gas station and a little convenience store and a little tiny bar in the back. And we went in there during the middle of the day. 
and chatted with some folks. And one of the guys there was sort of an amateur musician and had recorded a song and they had kept a guitar behind the bar. And so before you know it, yours truly was playing playing the guitar for people. <laughs> I, I sing, I, I do a little guitar, you know, a little bit. I play and sing a little bit, but I was not prepared to suddenly have a guitar in my hand and singing Dwight Yoakam songs for the people in the bar. It was just a riot. And so I bought the t-shirt from the guy who he had like his album name on his t-shirt or something like that. And I, and I still wear that proudly around. And I do have a whole box full of materials that I'm not quite sure what to do with all these artifacts that we've collected from places, t-shirts, matchbooks, wooden nickels, you know, tokens, shot glasses, coffee mugs. I have this whole collection that I'm still trying to figure out what to do with, but they're definitely remnants and memory joggers of all these wonderful places that we'd gone to. And the, the dive bar is right up there with the swankiest place in in the nicest hotel in, in Wyoming. So yeah, yeah the bright spot for- is another interesting place that is basically a store that is a town. <laughs> yeah. A store that's a town and bill bill. Bill, right. bill is, a, is a town. That's the store with a population of one. Now it has, you know, of course it's sort of boomed up. There's a little bit back and forth, but it might have a population of more than one now. Well, you would be surprised if you went to Bill because I went to Bill not that long ago just because I was like I'd heard about it and being a population of one and all of that. So I was like, okay, I want to drive through this town. And right across from the bar slash post office, which is the only thing in Bill, is now a very large, shiny new hotel with a Denny's. Oh. (laughs) Which is just so odd. And I was like, what are you doing out here, Hotel and Denny's? And then finally, I did some research and figured out that it's at a spot where the railroaders who have maxed out the amount of time they can work Mm -hmm. on the train, they have to, by law, have like a certain number of hours of rest. So they just dump them off at that hotel, and then the next train picks them up. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, then they need shocking to, to see this hotel in the middle of nowhere true that is shocking and it's been a two or three years well probably maybe three years now since we've been down highway 59 over there and uh yeah i don't remember seeing a denny so that gives me got something to look forward to but you know the, the, the more backwoods the better as far as i'm concerned for all this sort of thing so highland was one are there any others that are your favorite backwoods bars you know a place that we always really liked is, is Woods Landing and Centennial, which are both about the same amount of distance from Laramie. But Centennial has two or three different places, so uh, we didn't really cover that. But Woods Landing, we have photographs in the photo companion, and it's a, it's a place where you can stop coming down when you're coming off the snowy range, Medicine Bow Mountains, and through there and we used to go up and ski at Chimney Park, cross-country ski, and then come down. And you could walk in there. It wouldn't matter how much snow was dripping off of you or what in your, you know, in your ski boots and your, your fleece and your nylon and all that kind of stuff that you'd wear skiing. Just go clomp, clomp, clomp into the bar. And they'd bring you a bowl of chili. They'd bring you, you know, whatever. It's just a really neat place, beautifully constructed. So it's, I don't know what cat. It's just a very off-the-beaten-path place on it's on highway 230 and then from there you can wind away you know into a little further west and along that 
corridor across the, the south of I-80. It's so beautiful down there that's very overlooked. So I, I would just encourage people to not just get off, go to the bars that don't have a lot of people, but get off those highways. Just be amazed at sort of beauty you can find in not just in, I mean, in the landscapes, but in also the sorts of places that you can um, enjoy and return to and hope to support and keep them around for next generations. Right. Buy that, buy that t-shirt and the mug and it'll remind you of a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what is something that people who are driving through Wyoming may not realize about us or about our state? I hear a lot, even now living in Iowa, when I mention Wyoming, people react in a couple different ways. Like, there's nobody who lives there. And I say, yeah, thumbs up. You know, it's so empty. How do people live in a place like that? Uh, that's kind of category, impression category number one. And impression category number two is, oh my gosh, it is so beautiful. I would love to go there. I'd love to move there. I'd love to live there for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so those are kind of the two camps of people outside of Wyoming. And I think inside of Wyoming also. Uh, so the fact that the population is so low, I think is really one of the the coolest things about it because you don't need a lot of extra people, I don't think. <laughs> and you can go someplace and not be a sea, one in a sea of faces. I mean, I could go to a bar in Des Moines or something and nobody would look at me and say, oh, who's that? I've never seen her before. Right. But you can't walk into, you know, Arveda or um, you know, any of the bars that we're really talking about for the most part and have and be instantly recognizable as somebody that they've never seen before. And so therefore, you're going to be a subject of like a- attention. And for some people, that's difficult. But for me, it was it was fun. So I, I guess that's that's one thing is that being a small population state is some, somehow a drawback culturally or socially or in terms of community building, because I think it's actually the opposite. Yeah, it's so true. It's like there are fewer people, but I feel like they're closer knit. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the hardest thing about living in Wyoming? For me or just generally? Uh, for you. Um, you don't live in all of Wyoming. You just kind of live in the place where you live. Right. So living in Laramie, I think the hardest part, besides the weather, which I had sort of gotten numbed to after a while, but it was the fact that so many people that I knew were there, not because they loved Wyoming necessarily, but because they had jobs at the university. And so they learned to love mm-hmm. Laramie and lived, learned to love Wyoming. But anytime there was an opportunity to go someplace else for a vacation or for recreation or for so you know cultural events they would be someplace else because being so close to the Colorado border, being so close to Fort Collins, it was just a natural temptation. And I, but I think other places in Wyoming, people are in Wyoming for Wyoming. And so I think that makes a difference. I think you're right. I used to live in a college town in Texas and it was the kind of the same thing, you know, people underappreciated what was right there because their focus was outside of there. Right. And so to have to say, look, there's this really cool bar. It's only 25 minutes from here, but it's not on, it's not on the highway to Fort Collins. Oh, really? 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 <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we're, I think part, part of doing this, these two books, and I was working for the University of Wyoming, and I still do, and, and getting some support from the Historical Society for Travel and from 
you know, the College of Arts and Sciences for some of the travel and you know, I felt fully supported by the University of Wyoming and and other institutions in in getting some of this done. But it's but it is always is going to seem like an anomalous sort of thing, like, oh, Wyoming bars, you go to those? <laughs> like right. I don't think that I think people who would want to go to off the beat places like this for fun are not a dime a dozen. They sort of a Right. Sort of something you either have to want to do or find an excuse to do. And so I think with jukeboxes and jackalopes and with all these photographs that Ron took, I mean, that really gives people like, I can look at these and like, this looks like a pretty nice place. I can read about it. And that sounds like a pretty fun place. Maybe now I can take my my book and walk in there and get autographs because people actually do that with this photo companion. They oh, take fun. them hard to bar and get bartender photographs. I mean, autographs. I'm going to do that. That sounds like a really fun way to open a conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. You do that. You know, we wound up having leaving for a variety of reasons, mostly family related, and we still do miss it. Moving back seems complicated and weird. I mean, some, some places are the right place for you at a certain time in your life. Mm-hmm. And then at another time in your life, other places are the right place for you. So, sitting here surrounded by items that I've collected that, from Wyoming. I'm wearing a Wyoming t-shirt. I'm wearing Wyoming earrings. I mean, it's just still very much part. I hang the Wyoming flag on my wall for statehood days. I mean, I'm still very much steeped in Wyoming life and culture and, you know, friends and the university and all that sort of thing. But it's one of those, like, you can take the girl out of Wyoming, but you can't take the Wyoming out of the girl. (laughs) Exactly. I even have a T-shirt that says "Just a Wyoming girl in an Iowa world," and it's a it's a, it's a big square, a, bo- a red block in the middle of the T-shirt, and that's the map of Wyoming. Right, <laughs> our square. It'll state. always be. It'll always be very dear to my heart, and it's you know it's complicated. There's lots of things are, but I have no regrets from being there, and only only some regrets for leaving. Well, it's interesting that you said about how some folks won't get off the beaten path for whatever reason. It's maybe intimidating or it doesn't sound interesting enough. And yet, you know, you'll pay $5,000 to go on a vacation to another country and want to do all the off the beaten path things there. You know what I mean? Like go to Thailand right. and you don't want to do the the touristy things. You want to find kind of the nooks and crannies, but we got a lot of nooks and crannies right here. Right. Or spend a bunch of money on a cruise ship and only get disembark from the cruise ship to do the things that the tourists do in each of these kind of pre-sanitized locations. Right, right. It's like you got to look at the world like an anthropologist, basically, and just poke around and see what you can see. Absolutely. And I, I can see why you do this podcast so well, because you have that kind of curiosity and interest in the hidden. It, that's what it takes. This podcast is like my jukebox to jackalopes or jackalopes what let me get it right jukebox and jackalopes right (laughs) you know it gives me an excuse to ask a bunch of questions and poke around well i have one last question and you've kind of insinuated your answer but what do you love the most about wyoming i love not being hemmed in i love the natural beauty i love just the opportunity for fun strange random unlooked for events to occur that you think, I can't believe I'm in this spot at this moment that this thing is happening. But I am. And I don't think it would be happening anywhere else. Had that feeling a lot living in Wyoming for 19 and a half years. 
and then mm-hmm. visiting it many years before that and many years after that. Well, thank you so much. I just so appreciate your time and I've really enjoyed your books and I am going to put it in my car. I'm actually leaving for Laramie today. So Ooh. maybe I'll start with the buckhorn <laughs> and get my first and signature. Start with the buckhorn. They Yes, do that because they sell these books in there, I think, although the bar main owner has passed away and, and I don't know if they are aware of it anymore. So you walk in yeah. there with this and they'll say, oh, is that that big pile of books we have up there gathering dust? Yeah, <laughs> yeah bring it on down to the bar. This book gives people an excuse to have a lot of fun. I'm happy to have helped make that happen. Yeah, you can tell that I really enjoyed visiting with Julianne. And I think you should get her book. You'll really, really like it. Well, today's dot on the map is Wyoming's oldest continuously populated settler town. It sits on Dakota as well as Cheyenne and Arapaho lands. It's Hartsville, Wyoming. And it has Wyoming's oldest bar, the Miners and Stockman's Saloon. In 1878, Major Verling Hart discovered a nearby abandoned copper mine. He discovered it, meaning it had already been mined by Native Americans. Six years later, the town of Hartville was established and named after him. Side note, the nearby ghost town of Sunrise is currently reviving as a Paleo-Indian archaeology site. It features an ochre mine dating back at least 14,000 years. This is a huge discovery that is just starting to be uncovered and fully researched. Back to Hartville. Mining was a difficult prospect in Hartville because copper ore had to actually be hauled out by wagon. And by the time the railroad came in in 1900, copper was played out, so they had started digging for iron and onyx. This boom-and-bust early history was punctuated by frontier violence. Examples include the attempted assassination of Honorary Judge Halphoff, the poisoning of professional gambler Charles Saunders, and then there's the shooting of local miner Ernesto Jacobetti. That one made national news, and the New York Tribune reported that Jacobetti was shot through the head, right between the eyes. But that's not even the shocking part. He recovered, and three weeks later, he was right back working at the mines. That kind of chaos lasted for more than 30 years in Hartville. In fact, the last recorded shootout was on Main Street in 1912. If you get a chance to visit Hartville today, it is charming. It includes the historic Sunrise Mine with events featuring information on Paleo-Indians, as well as settler mining, and all of that and the original historic, beautiful bar and fine restaurant right there in downtown Hartville. Today's Wyoming wildlife features not one, but two animals. Like many barroom buddies, they are an unlikely pair. I'll explain why they're together in a minute, but first a little bit about each of them. Coyote's scientific name is Canis Latrans, or Barking Dog, because as you know, coyotes are very vocal. In fact, their distinctive howl can be heard for miles and miles. 
That howl is what they use to communicate their location. They have short barks that warn of danger, high-pitched barks that are used to call their pups. They yip when reuniting with their pack, growl to establish dominance, and whine or whimper when they're bonding. Coyotes live in family groups, but they typically hunt alone or in pairs. They are monogamous and both parents care for their young, which are called pups. They are highly adaptable and of course can be found throughout Wyoming and honestly the entire United States, even big cities. Even though they are regularly hunted as pests and for their furs, and for sport, their populations have remained stable in Wyoming. Now badgers, unlike coyote, are quite solitary. They are known for their powerful claws, which they use to make burrows, and also hunt other burrowing animals. Coyotes and badgers have a mutually beneficial relationship, and are known to work together in hunting small prey, such as prairie dogs, ground squirrels, rabbits, Coyotes are known for their excellent sense of smell, hearing, and speed, and that's what makes them good at locating the prey. However, they lack the digging ability of a badger. Badgers are slow runners, but their strong legs and sharp claws make them excellent at digging tunnels. When hunting together, the coyote and badger communicate with each other through body language and vocalizations. The coyote may point its nose towards the prey and then the badger would follow the coyote's lead and start digging in that direction. Once the badger has dug a tunnel, the coyote will stand guard outside while the badger goes in to capture the prey. They share the bounty with the coyote getting the majority of the catch and the badger taking what's left. This relationship between coyote and badger is a fascinating example of how different animals can really work together to increase their chances of survival. Now, has it been bugging you that I call them coyotes? If you say coyote, then you may be a true Wyomingite. I have a whole episode about words of the West and whether it's coyote or coyote. So if you're interested in that, please check it out. Well, folks, happy hour is over, and I'll close with this cowboy toast. I drink to your health when I'm with you. I drink to your health when alone. I drink to your health so darn often I'm worrying about my own. Cheers to Julianne Crouch. May the road bring you right back to Wyoming very, very soon. Make sure to check out the show notes at wyomingmy307.blogspot.com for links about bars, including the one in Hartville, as well as resources on coyote and badger. Please subscribe to this podcast for more wonderful Wyoming in your feed. If you enjoy this podcast, do me a big favor. Share an episode with a friend or show someone else how to listen to podcasts. It costs absolutely nothing, and it will do so much to help me get the word out. And always follow me on Facebook and on Instagram, Wyoming, my 307, all one word. If you have questions or suggestions, email me at wyomingmy307 at gmail.com. Happy trails to you. Until we meet again. Bye. <music>